We're going to be in Mark chapter 6. If you've got a Bible and want to flip there, you're welcome to get a head start. Um, We'll be there in just a second. Mark chapter 6, the part that talks about Jesus and the 5,000 people. That's where we'll be. Uh, Before we get there, though, I wanted to remind us we are, like Sarah said, five weeks into Easter. And so uh, I do hope that this has been a bit, even if it's a new thing for you to say, wait, Easter each week. Uh, Yes, that the celebration of the resurrection is something we do every single week as a church. That's true, all 52. Um, That's still something that's true. Uh, For this little window, though, we spend a little bit of extra time recognizing uh, the reality that Jesus not only lived and died, but rose again and brought new creation into being. Uh, And so these are just some of the snapshots from Easter so far with Missio. And so from baptizing our sister Joy on Easter Sunday right here. Anybody that still needs to get baptized, you are welcome to be the next. We'll bring the tank in, do it right here. Uh, Or backyard pools work too. Uh, But we've got not one of those here. So uh, that going on, we were able to have a scattered Sunday last week. We've been remembering the life of Peter and how he was shaped by his time following Jesus. And so that's been each of our times together. We gathered our Mesa MCs with the ones that used to be based in Tempe, uh, brought us all together. So if you see your face in there, that's right. Sabrina took some pictures that first week. That way, uh, the photos that show up during our teachings aren't just the people that used to be in Mesa. And you can play that, where am I, in the mix of this. And so uh, you're welcome to do that. Uh, And then we've been focusing a lot on how we see new creation right now. Uh, That when Jesus died and rose again, he brought God's future into the present. And so new creation is coming. There's a day when everything will finally and fully be restored. But as we long and as we wait for that day, uh, there's new creation, blades of grass, we said, breaking forth in the right now. And so we've had eyes to see and times to tell the stories of how we're watching God do just that. Uh, And then on Sundays, we've spent our time walking with Peter. And so uh, we looked, all of us, on Easter of how Jesus uh, restored Peter and brought him to himself in compassion and then commissioned him back out as an apprentice of his. Uh, And that brunch on the beach with Jesus uh, was something that we all looked at. And then the next week, Charlie gave us some good news from 1 Peter. Uh, Peter's life of following Jesus led him to write a book to churches and other people who were leading. And so he led off with that good news message from 1 Peter. Uh, Last week, we looked at the time when Peter was called, that first moments when he started following Jesus. And Jesus said, hey, come follow me and I'll make you a fisher of people. And when he did that, Peter and his brother Andrew, right, they dropped their nets and started following him and began his lifelong journey of following Jesus. So tonight's story does not use Peter's name, but he was absolutely there for it. And what we're going to do is we're going to read the story. I'm going to give us some observations. Then we're going to read the story again, and you're going to make some observations. Sound good? Uh, We're going to read the story together, Mark chapter 6. Then I'll make just a few observations, and then we'll read the story again. And you'll get a chance to make a few observations surrounding a question that I'll give you. So would you guys pray with me? And then we'll read from the word of God together. Uh, Jesus, we are grateful that you are here in our midst. uh, That your spirit is speaking and stirring. Convicting and reminding, encouraging. And so as we take a moment to settle in your presence, uh, we ask that your voice would continue to echo in the deepest parts of our being. Would you assure us of your love and invite us into your mission? 
We ask Jesus that you would speak for your servants are listening. We ask this in your name and by the power of your spirit. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask that you would read with me Mark 6, starting in verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Imagine how good that invitation from Jesus would have been, right? They had just been sent out. They did all this wild stuff. Uh, they had just heard that John the baptizer, Jesus's cousin, had been beheaded by Herod. That just all took place right before this. Uh, they came exhausted in the best way possible. They'd cast out demons. They'd fed hungry people. They healed others. They'd proclaimed good news. They'd watched demons flee. So a season of really good but really intense ministry. And then the words from Jesus himself say, hey, yeah, let's go somewhere quiet and just rest together. Like a breath of fresh air or a cool breeze over those 12, 13, whatever it was, young boys gathered at the feet of Jesus as they got in that boat and headed off. Yes, we get to just be with Jesus. That always restores us. It always refreshes us. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. That word echoes back to the, the desert place, like where Jesus went when he was tempted or he had the angels minister to him earlier in Mark. It was an isolated place. We should be alone there. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day. So his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already really late. Can you send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and village and buy themselves something to eat? But he answered, you give them something to eat. And they said, that would take more than half a year's wages. And we go and spend that much money on bread and give it to these people to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. I don't know how long it took. But imagine these 12 men scurrying throughout the crowd. You guys got any food? You, you guys got any food? You got any food? What do you got? What do you got? What do you got? And moving throughout, we're going to see the crowd was over 5,000 men and then their families. So it was a lot of people. Uh, so they go out and they scatter throughout just asking, bumming off people. What do we got? What do we got? What do we got? They were very focused on what they didn't have, right? We don't have enough. Jesus says, go and see what you do have. Back in the story. When they found out, how many they had, they said, five loaves, two fish. And then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups in the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and he broke it into loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. Uh, this is one of those stories that echoes throughout the ages of Jesus' incredible grace and mercy and compassion and provision. It's one of those stories that will be etched in uh, our mind as readers because it sees too good to be true, but believe it, it was etched in the minds of those that experienced it at that day even more. 
Have you ever been invited into something that you know you couldn't do? Given a command that you knew you really couldn't follow through on? Been in a moment with that, with that sweat dripping down your neck and your mouth kind of parched when Jesus says to these boys, hey, you go out and have everybody sit down. We're going to feed them. Knowing darn well there's only five loaves and two fish, and you've got a crowd of hungry people, thousands deep, and you're saying, hey, just sit down here, 50 over here, 100 over there, 50 here, 100 there. And, and having them all sit down and they're like, yo, we're going to eat. And you and the other apprentices being like, I don't know if they're going to eat. Sitting them all down wondering, how would God come through? I want to give us just a few observations as we look at this story. Uh, the first is to look and see some Old Testament shadows in this one. Old Testament shadows, Old Testament images. Mark is super careful as he writes this down. And many people would argue that Mark is writing Peter's account of the stories. And so that's where Peter fits into this as well as being there. Uh, this is probably Peter's telling to Mark who wrote it down. And so uh, they write this story down, the Old Testament images. Uh, as you read and go through that text, starting off with Jesus wanting to go and have this moment alone with the Father, calling the disciples, they're all exhausted. Come to me, I'll give you rest. This command and this invitation from Jesus that is beautiful. And then they show up and the crowds are there and it says, how does Jesus look at the people? Like they're a pain in the butt? Like they're an irritation? Like they're a problem to solve? Like they're a puzzle to figure out? Like they're a nuisance getting in the way of his rest? What does your Bible say? How does he look at them? With compassion, this deep, seated, guttural response that was spoken in Hebrew in the Old Testament about how God looks at his people. And he looks at them with compassion. And then he gives another identifier. What does he say next? A compassion for they were what? Like sheep without a shepherd. They were like sheep without a shepherd. Again, these images from the Old Testament. If you remember through the prophets, uh, God's prophets condemned the priests in Ezekiel for saying, you are terrible shepherds and you're gonna need a good shepherd to come again to set things right. Uh, if you look and the way that God was talked about in the prophetic words, when the kingdom comes, it'll be like a good shepherd coming. One who looks at the sheep and calls them near. This imagery would have echoed in the minds of the readers. This is the time when the kingdom is being set up. This story is carefully crafted so that you see that this is the fulfillment of so many years of longing. The kingdom is breaking in. It wasn't just a random Vegas sideshow mystery of how do you do that? This is a sign pointing that the king is here and he is setting up his kingdom and you get to play a role in that. Uh, that's the first thing, OT images, which just stands for Old Testament, but if I write that many letters, it's gonna get really squiggly. Uh, Old Testament images, and then I just wanna say this, the order matters. As you read this, the order matters. Uh, what do I mean by that? I mean that as this story unfolds, it's Jesus who initiates, Jesus who calls his disciples to do something, Jesus who sends them out in order to figure out what exactly is in their midst, Jesus who commands them to have people sit down, Jesus who looks up, takes the elements, breaks them, gives thanks, and then breaks them up and passes them out. Like 
every single step in this story is a response to the words of Jesus. And as his disciples, as his apprentices obeyed the command that they had in front of them, they were able to participate in a miracle that still blows our minds today, which is drastically different than had they showed up and said, Jesus, here's what we want to do. Would you please bless our efforts? The order matters. Jesus is the one who calls. Jesus who is the one who directs. Jesus is the one who commands. Jesus is the one who sends. And in response to his word, they participate in an incredible, incredible moment in history that would have for sure been etched in their minds. And so as I was reading through this story, those things stuck out to me with a ton of others. There's Old Testament images woven all throughout this to remind us that this story finds its place in the unfolding story of God. And that as Jesus' apprentices, we respond to his word and we respond to him. And as that takes place, we get to play our role in that very same story. But there's a lot of other beauty in there. And so I'm gonna have, um, Kaylee Ann's gonna read this passage again in a second the same exact passage we just read, and then you're going to turn to a few people around you and answer this question. Uh, what do you think Peter may have learned about Jesus and his kingdom from this event? What do you think Jesus might have learned, or Peter might have learned about Jesus and his kingdom from this event? Kaylee Ann's going to read. We're going to be silent for about 60 seconds, so that way all of us who process at different speeds can take a moment and not have to just start. Some of us talk too soon, some of us never talk at all, and this will hopefully even some of that playing field for us, uh, where we can take a moment, center in a thought that we believe maybe the Spirit's given us, and then be able to communicate that together. So uh, would you guys read again with me Mark chapter 6. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than a half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were all satisfied. 
and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. We're going to take just a moment in silence and, and sit and let those words and that story uh, play through your mind again. Would you turn to a, a few people around you uh, and share maybe some of the thoughts that came to your mind? All right. Uh, all your thoughts are important, even the ones you didn't say yet. Um, Kenzie's got a mic. If you have like maybe one or two in the room. No, two. That's the answer. Two. Uh, one man, one woman. Or one boy, one girl. We're going male, female. There's to be one answer of each. Um, I would love to hear what was one of the things that you saw that Peter um, probably learned about Jesus and his kingdom from this event. So throw your hand up. Uh, if you got one, Kenzie would love to get you a mic and you could just share it with all of us. Here we go. Joy, up front. Dudes, you're up next, so. Okay, so what I learned from it is that um, as they were going out, um, that they only had a little bit of food and then basically like serving others too, they were serving others and God had ended up blessing them with more yeah. than what they had. So that's why I got, of, got out of it. I love it. I was half asleep though too. Yeah, but you're good. Yeah. Spirit speaks even when you're half asleep, it's cool. Um, all right guys, you're gonna go in a second. I just wanna make that comment at the end of the story, right? Picks up how many baskets? 12, how many disciples were there? 12, that means they started off with nothing and then they ended up with more than a basket full of food as they went out and served, uh, wondering, hey, is there gonna be enough for me? Uh, I wonder if that was their question as they just kept giving it out, right? Fun fact, you keep going, they, leave the, they forget the bread and they get up on the boat next and uh, they actually leave it all there and they don't bring it. So that's the next story though, so we're not there. Uh, any gentleman uh, wanna give us, what do you think the spirit was showing you Peter might have learned? Throw your hand up and we'll get you to mic. Right back there, Joseph. Um, this, this was weird, but it reminded me about uh, Abraham and Isaac, about how God went to tell Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. And mm. so Abraham had the faith in God that he would do something. It's like, well, this doesn't make sense, but you know what? I'm going to do it because I'm going to, like, I, he's going to provide somehow. And so probably these dudes, Peter, had no idea what was going to happen, yeah. but just like, I have the faith that, like, he's going to provide. He's going to do something. Yeah. So... I don't know, just a really weird thing. That's great. Those things that you thought, close your eyes for a second and, and try to sear, sear them into your brain, right? So you were just thinking, you were listening to the word of God and he brought something to your mind. Don't miss, don't forget what the spirit just told you. As we respond to the words of God, he speaks to us each individually, but collectively. Stick with that thought because there's something he's trying to tell you. Uh, Michael and I were talking in the back and it was, uh, Tell me that, that in a crowd of 5,000 that no mom had snacks in her purse. Right? Right? And so we actually sent Caden out from the, he was back with us in the back room. We sent him out to go ask, hey, you got snacks in your purse? He actually asked her, do you have candy in your purse? Because he wanted some. She said, no. And they're like, do you have snacks? And she's like, oh, I got bars. I got trail mix. Um, but I left the Skittles at home. And so uh, we were talking about how I guarantee that Peter bumped into somebody who was chewing on something. And they're like, yo, do you have any more of that? And they're all like, nope. Nope, like this is mine, I need this. Something that stares you dead in the face with this one is there's no way in a crowd of 5,000 families that nobody had another snack pack, right? And so we learned from other accounts of the gospel that it's a little boy with five loaves, two fish, and just like, oh, this is what I got and gives it, right? 
knowing that when he gave what he had, he didn't know if he would have enough in that moment, but then he had more than enough and fed everyone else through that faith. And through him responding to the invitation of Jesus, he's able to participate in this story in a profound way. How many people were sitting there with their like loaf of bread in their pocket, right? And they were thinking afterwards, dang, that could have been my, like, I could have been a part of that. Like there would have been something that sparked, I wonder, as they held on because they didn't know if there would be enough. If I give it to them, will I have mine? Uh, that was what we were talking about in the back and then recognizing there's no way moms didn't have snacks. One more question for you to turn. We're going to give you 60 seconds to think about this and then turn you back to those groups as well. It's not just Peter learning something as he would follow Jesus on into the future and be a part of building out his church throughout the world responding to the Spirit as he did, learning lessons as he did. Uh, but for us today, the story still speaks. The same Jesus who invited them is speaking things to us in this room. And so I want to take a moment. I'm going to read the story one more time, give you a few seconds to sit with it, and then turn you back to those groups one more time. Would you guys read third time to Mark 6? See if there's a word or a phrase that the Spirit wants to remind you of, uh, not just for Peter's sake, but maybe for yours. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a pretty remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we going to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked go and see. And when they found out, they said five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. Uh, would you just take a few seconds and see if there's something in that story that you think Jesus might be saying to you? Would you turn to those groups that you were just gathered with a second ago uh, and, and communicate with each other as you feel comfortable? Uh, if your group's silent, that's okay. But maybe there's something to be reminded of, maybe something you're being moved to repentance in, or maybe something the Spirit's inviting you into that's fresh, that's coming to mind now. Um, gather with those few people that you were just with and start to share some of those stories, and I'll pull us back in just a few minutes. Ready? Go. They say that the way that Mark lines up his story is meant to intentionally mirror Psalm 23. Uh, you can't know what was going on in his brain when he did that, but they say there's so many of the images of Jesus sitting them down in the green grass, 
of him looking out and providing for their needs, of giving them more than enough in the full view of a wilderness space. Uh, they said this story is meant to, or was built on, constructed with that in the background. And so before we move to the table, I want to read Psalm 23 over us. Uh, it says this, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Uh, one of the reasons that we come back to the table each and every week at the conclusion of our time teaching is to remember that this is a table that Jesus sets for us, uh, prepared not just uh, with random elements, but bread and wine, bread and juice, meant to represent his broken body and shed blood. That the cost of which he committed to us and to creation in order to set things right uh, was his very own broken body. But in his broken body, he made an unbroken promise that he would again make all things new. And so as you come to the table tonight, uh, keep both those stories on the back of your brain. Jesus providing above and beyond what could be asked or imagined with a few people's simple faith, giving what they have and responding to his voice. Keep that in the background of your mind. As you come and take the elements, also keep it in your mind. He prepares a place for me. He has me sit down in green pastures. He restores my soul, not just with things out there, but with his very presence. And that's what we're gonna do as we come to the table today. I'm gonna invite you to go ahead. Would you stand with me? And we'll read this in just a second but I wanna give us some directions for communion. I know we've got uh, quite a few people uh, in the room and we've got one set up. Sarah will be up here and Charlie will be up here serving the elements. And here's what I would invite you to do. Uh, the band will come through first and they'll take communion and set up and then they'll start playing as we're coming back and, and allow this to be a moment of response to Jesus together. If you wanna take communion on, yourself, on your own because you're like, man, there's something I'm still wrestling through and I need this reminder and, and there's just something you wanna process, feel free to take the elements as you come up and you're served. Find a corner and take those elements and have that moment with Jesus. Uh, if you say, hey, I'd love to gather my MC together and as some are singing and others are responding other ways, feel free to gather with your family, your MC, one other friend and take those elements remembering the promise that Jesus has made and he's always been faithful to. Uh, and then we'll take that dispersed throughout the room as we sing over it, and then we'll be sent out in just a moment. But as we approach the table, I invite you, Missio, would you repeat with me the mystery of our faith? Jesus has died. Jesus has risen. Jesus will come again. Uh, Missio, you are welcome to the table. <laughs> 